This is episode 5 of the podcast Join the Madness. This is brought to you by the IA. Welcome to the Join the Madness podcast and thank you for tuning in. I am Eva Suivach and I am Mia Masuelos. And we are two sophomores who are part of the Innovation Academy program at Colegio Franklin Delano Roosevelt in Lima, Peru. When was the last time you spent $50 on something? Maybe it was to buy something from Amazon or to pay for a nice dinner. Congratulations, you're living above the poverty line. There are almost 1 million Peruvians that make less than $50 per month. Extreme poverty is the most severe case of poverty. Poverty is the state of not having enough material possessions or income for a person's basic needs. Extreme poverty has been a problem all over the world, especially in Peru. So many of Peru's citizens are going through this. This is one example. Two years ago, a 53-year-old woman named Elizabeth left El Agustino, her hometown, with her family in search of opportunities. When she arrived in Lima, her job consisted of selling fruits on her motorcycle around her district. Everything went smoothly until President Martin Vizcarra implemented the quarantine. Since her family was running out of money, they abandoned their rented house and began searching for other opportunities. They arrived in Guayacan and were forced to spend the night listening to rats, running away from bugs, and being heated by a fire. Afterwards, the government was supposed to pick up Elizabeth and her family and drive them to Huanuco. This didn't occur and they were forced to continue walking towards Wampani, where they slept. Later. Her family was picked up and driven to an hostel with 50 other people. This shows the kind of struggles that people who live under extreme poverty go through. No one would want to live under these circumstances. That is why we need to start to make a change. One organization that is helping fight extreme poverty is the Chignaya Foundation. They are committed to work with rural communities in southern Peru to design and implement self-sustaining projects in health, education, and economic development. For a deeper investigation, we decided to interview Kimi Maza. Kimi works for an organization called the Jignaya Foundation, and we're so glad to have her working with us. Hi, my name is Kimi Maza. Thank you, Mia and Ava, for having me today to interview. My background is in chemical engineering, but I've been working with community development for the past four years. Before working, I started working as a general operations manager last year, but before that, I was working um, in Peru, living in Pucará, um, and living also in northern Peru in La Libertad. How was it living in Peru and in those places where extreme poverty happens and seeing it firsthand? I think it was really different for me to live in Peru. I really knew nothing about Peru before I lived there. And it's in a lot of ways really different from life in the U.S. and in a lot of ways really similar. I would say for us, it's kind of weird because it's like we're living in the country where it's happening, but it we're not seeing it. And I think that, I don't know if you agree, Eva, that like most people kind of put a blind eye to that topic to like extreme poverty even though it's such a big thing in this country 
No one should be living in fear because they don't have enough money to survive. There are people out there who don't know when they're going to eat their next meal, and there are people out there who don't know where or when they're going to spend the night. No human being should be living under these circumstances. And this is really sad as there are others who can help and they are not doing so. I think it's really hard for people to understand those types of things when they haven't experienced it or seen it themselves. What led you to decide to work in this field? So I got really interested in working in water. And I think the biggest or some of the bigger problems with water are in rural areas and also just underserved communities, both in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. Um, so that's kind of where I started to want to focus my work. I was really excited to be able to work with the Chignaya Foundation. Um, I continued working with water when I was living in Pucara. Um, and since returning to the States, I've continued to work in kind of this like community development field because just from the past couple of years, I just realized that grassroots, community-led type of work and projects are so important to our future, especially to solve some of these problems that we're seeing globally in communities. Um, because sometimes, I don't know, it just sometimes seems like the best way to get things done, especially to get things done quickly, is if communities, you know, do them themselves. So I really enjoy that type of work, and I, I've been excited to be able to keep supporting it, even though it is outside of, you know, the country I live in. I did get to know the community, so I'm, you know, I, I really wanted to keep working in this field. That's what I loved about the Chuknaya Foundation. It's that when you mostly think of people who are helping extreme poverty, it's usually just giving them money. But what I love is that you guys are giving them projects and it's not just like, here, take this money, but it's more like, here, um, you have to work for it, but we're still giving you some funds so that you can do these projects. And it also helps in the long run because, you know, you're creating a source of income for them. You know, here we really value at the Chennai Foundation um, communities designing and leading their projects, which I think is just, you know, it's really good and it's the best way to find solutions because they are the ones, you know, communities are the ones who know their problems and the solutions that they would like to see more than I could ever know. Yeah, especially now that, you know, they have to go out to work, they can't just stay at home and we found out that the government is giving money to people in need, but also only to the people in need that are registered. And we wanted to ask you if when you were there, were most of the people living there registered or no? That is such a good point. Where we worked, I remember those stimulus type checks that were going out in Peru. Um, and I don't, I think, very, very, very few people we worked with received any sort of aid from the government because they weren't registered. And a lot of people didn't have a smartphone or a computer or internet to be able to check if they were registered. Um, and honestly didn't even know much about that stuff being sent out. So that is definitely a big thing we saw that people weren't getting that aid that other people were getting. Since you were talking to kind of about electronics, this is something that came to mind. But one day we were on a Zoom and I remember you guys telling us that you had a project that was to raise money for kids that can't afford laptops and you were giving them radio so they could listen to school there. And that's something that even me and Eva that did research didn't know about. So how do you think the media portrays extreme poverty versus what's actually happening? That's an interesting question. I do think the news 
know like knows about what's happening and sometimes does cover it like I feel like I read a little bit about how you know access to education was really hard and I know that there was a government initiative um, to give tablets to people that are students that were in rural communities and also um, just underserved urban communities um, and I know I saw that in the news but I sometimes think some things just get covered once and maybe never get covered again but that doesn't mean the problem was fixed it doesn't maybe get the coverage it needs Kimi, we're going to be asking you questions about extreme poverty. Here is the first question. How much money do you think people in extreme poverty make each month? I know maybe the some of the poorer communities we work with um, make, I think, around 3,000 soles a year. So I would say maybe around 200 soles, more or less, a month. Well, from what we have researched, they make 183 soles a month. So you have been working with them more closely. Have you seen that there's a lot of big families or is it just mostly individuals? I think most of the people I work with are families. I do in general think most people in the communities have bigger families. So I would say maybe at least at least two to five kids. That's surprising because those kids grow up without being able to go to college because only 16% of people in extreme poverty get to have an education after high school. If no one helps, there's really no way of getting out of poverty. I mean, you know, people grow up in extreme poverty and then they can't go to college. So then they have to stay where they are and then they have kids and then those kids kind of repeat the same lifestyle they have. And I definitely agree with that. You know, that's why they call it the poverty cycle. Like it's very hard to get out of a cycle without some sort of some sort of help or some sort of drastic change. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Yeah, I mean, for this topic, the only solution is money. But I wanted to ask, how do you think your views on money have changed since you started working with people in extreme poverty? I mean, I guess at the end of the day, money is the big thing. You know, when we talk about extreme poverty, we need money to be able to do these projects and, you know, for people to be able to leave extreme poverty they need more money but I think it is also just about not just about money but about other people really caring because I guess you know maybe if more people you know knew about certain things and really cared about it and were involved in these types of initiatives or projects or just in general motivated to be helping communities I think that would make a really big change you know when we all come together if we really truly care about it if we care about, you know, our communities, our countries, I think we really do have the power to change things. For sure. I mean, I feel like there's people who don't realize the power they have and how much even the smallest amount of money can help someone survive for that month, for that day. Thank you so much, Kimmy, for being part of this and for helping us with our solution because I know we are just two high schoolers, but you put a lot of faith in us and thank you so much. And also thank you for your job. I think your job is awesome. You know, you're helping a lot of people. I should be the one thanking you both because you're helping us a lot with our solution um, too. So you know what? I really appreciate that. And you guys give me so much hope, you know, for the future of our world. So you know, thank you. And thank you to everyone who's listening for, you know, even just listening and hopefully 
you know, taking action. It is really important to support community-led organizations. So our way of helping reduce extreme poverty in Peru is to link the GoFundMe page of the Tinjaya Foundation in a mail that is going to be sent to many people in and out of FDR. The donated money is going to be used for a project that consists of building and protecting animal sheds in the community of Caco in Pucará as it increases milk production and therefore family income. Income is really important for making a change to extreme poverty. The Chichnaya Foundation is in charge of the animal shed project we're working on. The solution starts with you. Who knows, maybe you can be the person that makes someone gain more than $50 a month. You must remember that if you decide to help with this issue, you're changing someone else's life completely and for the better. Next time you see a man begging for money on the streets, remember those $50 or 150 soles that you spent on a fancy meal. And notice that for the same amount of money, he lives for a month.